and we are with uh, Dr. Arno Smith with uh, Peace Arch Orthopedic um, Services. Dr. Smith, you've been in this business for many years now. I started in 1999, so it's about going to be 23, 24 years later this year, and that's not really, really long, but it's also <laughs> not really short. That's true. Now, uh, being a South Asian, I have also noticed that a lot of South Asian women in particular have knee problems. Have you been able to figure out what could be the reason why it's the South Asian women who have the issue? It is really, to me, something that uh, is not fully figured out. It is probably a combination of perhaps people who were not born in Canada may have had nutrition that was perhaps in the younger years not absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. There may be an of you know, how the genetics of, of one's body kind of determine how one is going to do. It may, those type of things are the main main factors to think of. It will become more clear in the next 10 or 20 years when more women of East Asian descent who were born here in Canada are going to be adults in midlife. And we'll see if the incidence of arthritis and knee problems it remains the same, which would really point towards it being more genetic in origin and related to, you know, the, the buildup of the, the body, or if perhaps it becomes less noticeable and then perhaps it was more environmental factors like nutrition or hard work at a younger age and all those type of things. Now, when women have children, obviously from their own body, they do provide a lot of calcium and everything to the child. Could that be one of the reasons why women's knee health or bone health gets a little thinning? I would not see it. I'm not aware that that in and of itself is a factor. We do know that the hormonal setup of of women with with, with estrogens and all of that affects how the bones uh, do later on in life. That's more the bone quality. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is more the quality of the joint, of the joint cartilage, the immediately the bone immediately surrounding the joint, the soft tissues. Arthritis is not an illness just of cartilage. It's an it's an it's a it's a condition that involves the joint cartilage, the smooth surface that makes a joint move uh, nice and smoothly when you're younger. The soft tissues that guide that mo- that movement, and then of course the bone immediately. Um, bordering the joint, that was also part of it. So the the issue of having given calcium up for you know for during during pregnancy and and lactation or breastfeeding, I don't know that that is understood to be one of the factors in this. So at what um, so what are the warning signs? of knee issues? When should you start getting worried about it? Is it when you hear a little bit of crackling in your knee that you should start worrying? No, I think I think one is better off to take a step back and start thinking, okay, so here we go through life. There are things that have been figured out to be relatively healthy, mm-hmm. you know, maintain weight that is appropriate to the size of your, of your bones, not being too, too heavy, being active, proactive, maintaining some level of exercise that promotes the muscles to be strong, that promotes there not to be any excessive weight, that keep the risk of diabetes down, 
that is the first thing to do. It's it's not worrying after the fact, but being concerned before the fact and trying to be proactive to protect the joints, but also protect overall health. That, I think, is the first message that you need to go out. Once you get to a situation where there is going to be there is going to be some discomfort around the knees when there is going to be some crackling, as you said. You have to start thinking, well, what's going on? And then I think the first thing is to try and not panic. If it's just fairly minor, the first thing to do is, is there anything I can do to improve my health, my overall health status? Am I eating healthily? Am I exercising enough? Am I exercising not too much so you don't cause yourself to be pain, to, to have pain and you can't exercise for a number of days or weeks afterward because you did too much? You find a balance. And sometimes you need to talk to somebody about that. It can be a trainer, a physiotherapist, a doctor, maybe just somebody who you know that's an athletic person. And then you, that would be the first thing I would think to, to, to do. And once you realize that it's not really happening, that you're not making good progress, that you have to start thinking about taking medication for pain, that you don't want to go for a walk because you know your knees are going to hurt afterwards, then it's time to say, well, maybe it's time to go and see a doctor and talk about it. Okay, so before we go and see a doctor, here are a couple of other questions. Uh, To keep your knee mobility, there are some workouts prior to, you know, you uh, feeling the pain and all that. Our knee... Mobility workouts, good for everyone? So by and large, I think the best way to look at this is all the muscle tissues, they need to be used. Right. So if you say, well, maybe I have a bit of an issue with my hip or my knee or my ankle, my shoulder, maybe I should just rest it completely and not do anything at all with it, then it won't hurt. That is by and large not a good strategy. You can do it for a short period of time if you need to recover from an injury or but otherwise typically movement and use is good but it needs to be within what your body part that you're talking about can still tolerate so when you're really you know in your teenage years or a young adult there is a most people can do a lot of things without causing the joint or the body part to become painful but even if it did become painful it repairs itself very quickly once you start to get into middle age, however you define that, there's no single way of looking at middle age, but somewhere <laughs> in middle age, right? And yes. at, at some point, you have to be a bit more cautious and you want to really do exercise on a regular basis, but clearly within what the body can still tolerate. So there is a, a phenomenon, probably a little bit more common in men than in women, where you have the so-called weekend warriors, people who don't have time or interest or both, to do a lot of regular exercise, but then on the weekend or when they have time off, they do very strenuous sports, play, play strenuous soccer, play strenuous hockey, things like that. And then all of a sudden it's too much because they did not take the time to condition in between. So I would suggest that by and large, exercise is really key in maintaining good health in many, many aspects, including the musculoskeletal system, the bones and the joints. But it is also important to tailored the exercise, the intensity of it, the nature of it, to what, you, what the stage in life that one is in and to, to not overdo it. You don't want to avoid exercise. You have to seek it. But you, you find ways that are easier on the joints. So, for example, you know and I know there are many people who find going to the swimming pool to do water-based exercise beneficial. Mm. And it's 
to understand the buoyancy of the water take some of the weight off. It's a very good way of maintaining mobility. Riding a stationary bicycle or a regular bike for that ma- bicycle for that matter. Very good way of doing exercise. Elliptical stepper, a rowing machine, these type of things. They are easy to determine. They are uh, exercise modalities that allow you to really dial in how much intensity, how much resistance, how fast you pedal, and so on. On the other hand, there have to be some element of weight-bearing exercise as well, walking or maybe even running. Why? The, the bones between the joints, the, the, no, the, the, the long bones, they need to remain strong too, the spine. They need to see weight going through the bones in order to maintain the calcium content and, and, the, and the structure of the bone. So you want to not just do exercise that avoids putting weight on the joints, you also want to do some weight-bearing exercise. So there is a bit of a of a, of, of of multiple angles at at the issue of what is the best exercise for your musculoskeletal system. That that was an amazing answer, which brings me to the next question. As a child, you see little kids squatting quite a bit, and they can sit for hours squatting. Um, and then as you grow older, it becomes a little more difficult. Is squatting good for you? And if it is, for how long can you continue doing it? And if it isn't, when should one stop squatting? So let me put this. Yeah, there's quite a few angles to this. So squatting, when maybe similarly sitting with the legs crossed, is somewhat similar in, in, in position where the knees are in an extremely flexed position. As long as it doesn't hurt, I don't see any reason why you would avoid it. Right. Where, it becomes more, where it becomes more difficult is, um, is when you find that it starts to hurt. And that is a time where you have to start wondering if it's still a really smart idea to do this. It's a little bit also a matter of staying involved in that position. If you do this on a, on a daily basis from when you're really young until, you know, you're, as you move through life, you have a much better chance, I think, to maintain the ability to do deep squats for sitting. I'm not so much talking about lifting. I'm more talking for, for sitting and for being in a social setting. Mm-hmm. You have a much that you can do that for a long time than if you haven't done it for decades and then somewhere in your 40s or 50s, you say, I want to do more squats, more squatting and sit in that position. It's going to be a lot more difficult than if you had maintained that through your lifetime. That was a question from one of our listeners. And, and, I, and I know where you're coming from because if you have been squatting ever since you were a child and continue doing it, you wouldn't see a difference. You know, you wouldn't feel the pain. There was another question which is similar to this one. And it is, I think you have in a way given me an answer to that. But I'll ask you again. What would be the preventive measures uh, in keeping your knee health healthy? There are a number of things. The first thing would be you want to avoid serious injury. So if you get your knee injured in, in a car accident or in a fall or in a sports injury and the structures in the knee get disrupted, the ligaments get torn, the, 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 the shock-absorbing cartilages are torn, there's a piece missing from the joint surface. Those are the things that really predispose a knee for ending up in bad shape later on. So that's the first category. Now, that affects actually not that many people. I would say 
that of all the people who develop significant arthritis in their knees later in life, the percentage of people who have a clear, defined kind of injury as a reason for that is probably less than 10%. Wow. There is wow. quite quite a few people who have an, uh, arthritis in the knee at a relatively early age because of very strenuous sports and even very strenuous labor that they have done, physical labor. So there is an element of overuse in the absence of a true injury that can also predispose to arthritis. So from a preventive point of view, you try and first of all avoid excessive use. Like I said before, you can do what doesn't hurt, but don't go beyond that. You want to try and have a behavior that, that is somewhat risk averse without you know, interfering with the enjoyment of life, obviously. Everybody has to do something that they enjoy, and quite often it involves, involves a bit of risk. But you try to stay out of trouble with, with major injuries. So that's the first. Then after that, the main thing is, like I said earlier, try and have a pattern of, of behavior that includes exercise and good nutrition. And I think that is really the main thing. To some degree, all of us have to deal with the fact that when you were born, there's a certain genetic makeup that defines who one is. And as part of that has to do with how well the joints are being repaired as you get older. Part of it is how strong the bones are going to be, how tall you're going to be, how much weight you're going to carry. And so there's some things you cannot really control. You can just try and work with what you've been given at birth. You've been given... Beautiful answer. Which is the newest knee treatment? Well, so there are there are a number of ways to look at that. So from the point of view of dealing with a knee that is slowly losing its health, mm. that becomes less resilient, that needs a bit of support to try and keep going. And just when that, that youthful shininess is starting to disappear, there's a lot of ways to interfere at that time. Some of it may be considered over-treatment. On the other hand, we have come to understand in the last few years that to be a bit more proactive with providing strategies to maintain the knee's health can be quite helpful. And you asked about the newest. I'm going to switch that a little bit and say the more prominent ones. There is more emphasis now and, and a hope that, is, that some of the minor damage in the knee can maybe be reversed as a regenerative treatment. Mm. And people that stem cells for some time, it looks like that is not really going to be the main treatment. I don't think there is. There has been attempts at, at providing a stem cell treatment to arthritic knees, early arthritic knees, mm. that have not been totally convincing are ways of stimulating the stem cells that are already in the knee by using platelet-rich plasma or treatments like that. There is a second generation of that comes from platelet-rich plasma called autologous protein solution. That seems to be a game changer, but it's only been around for three or four years. So before we know what that does over a 10-year period, we're going to be six years down the road. So, But those are developments on, on that side. There isn't a compound that we inject that we have injected for a long time called hyaluronic acid that provides pretty good pain relief in an arthritic knee, typically for about a year. And we always thought that it was mainly because it's a bit of a shock absorber, maybe a little bit of a lubricant. It is actually marketed as a device, not as a medicine. But it turns out that it actually provides nutritional support 
to the cartilage in the joints. So that the, the use of that compound has, has undergone some changes. It's used more readily now. And there is a thought, and I believe it's going to turn out to be true, that regular use of that type of a medicine or that type of a compound early on in the development of arthritis of the knee may stabilize the arthritis so it doesn't get worse or it gets worse at a rate that is much slower than otherwise would have been the case. So, so that is on the early side. When it becomes more severe, then we're still kind of stuck. And I don't mean it in a negative way, but then we're relying upon using knee replacement technologies. Mm. And that technology is a very mature technology. There has not been a lot of change in what we actually use. There's been ongoing refinement in the materials, in the, in the shape of those implants. There is now a bit of a push to make these implants custom so that they fit the individual's knees a little bit better yet. That type of thing. But it's really the biggest change that has happened is how we do these operations. So people have, in the past, people would have to stay in hospital for a long period of time, initially two weeks, and for the longest time, three to five days. And now a lot of people go home the same day. Why is that possible? Well, we have better ways of dealing with pain after surgery. People who are interested in that, they can, during the procedure, give injections in various locations to take the, the pain out of the picture. We use a lot less narcotic medication. We have a lot less blood loss. And we find that a lot of people are actually pretty good shortly after the surgery. And some of them can go home the same day or many will go home the next day. And that has really been a game changer in terms of how people go through these processes. And that, that holds true for hip replacements as well. So that is kind of what I would say in the answer to the question, what is the newest treatment? There is not. There have been attempts made at rebuilding the knee with artificial bone, with artificial cartilage. There is. There. There are examples of how this can work in experimental settings, but to to have that extended to a human knee that is really in trouble and has developed arthritis, we haven't really seen that. Uh, that 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 gap being closed. There are still studies ongoing typically looking at smaller portions of the knee that are damaged, that are there is an attempt made to uh, replace that with a, a structure other than metal and plastic like you do in a knee replacement. And some of these studies are promising. Others are, you know, less convincing. But the truth of the matter is, in my opinion, that it, there's been a lot of work has been done in this arena for the last 15 years but not really that much to show for. We still really rely upon the classic concept of a knee replacement. Dr. Smith, that was an amazing answer. And uh, I, I feel that people have gotten enough information on this. Uh, there are other bones in the body which are also quite troublesome. Shoulders are another one where people who do physical work do find, especially people in the restaurant industry where they have to cook and all that, they use their upper body. And if they don't have good upper body strength, it, it sort of finds it's difficult for them to continue working because the shoulders so hurt so much. So I think in our next program, we should, if you have time, we would love to talk about shoulder health as well. Of course, and it would be my pleasure to do so. Dr. Smith, thank you very much for taking time and talking to us today. 
Thank you very much, Mrs. Dodd. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You always ask me questions that are, I don't have to think how to answer them. It all flows naturally. I guess that's what a good interview. So hopefully I, I've done my job. No, you did. It was very nice. Thank, so thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.